0: When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice.
2: Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's
0: literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a Remax agent actually knows best.
1: Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here.
0: Remax is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit Remax.com or download the Remax app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 BrandSpark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated.
1: This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. So, Connor, how are you feeling? How are you feeling today? Pretty good. I'm recovering. Because you were at the Dodgers' victory over the St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah, you can probably night. hear I shouted myself hoarse. Are you feeling, you're sounding better. Oh, uh, thank When you, you arrived uh, home last night, Con- Connor's been living at the homestead uh, during the, the uh, COVID emergency. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you sounded a little bit... Like a uh, a pack-a-day smoker. James Earl Jones or Orson Welles or one of those dead guys. Uh, Pretty good radio voices. James Earl Jones is alive. True. uh, Did you know he was in uh, Dr. Strangelove? No. No. Who was he in Strangelove? He was one of the guys in the the airplane that Slim Pickens was commandeering. There you are. Slim, when he found out it was going to be a nuclear strike... (laughs) He uh, put his Stetson on and set aside his Air Force helmet and then yippee-ki-yay all the way down. Oh, spoiler Spoilers alert. for a 70-year-old movie. Exactly. <laughs> That's right. More like 50. Something like that. Yeah. So anyway, fantastic! Like the best baseball game in in history, maybe. I mean, one of absolutely incredibly tight, incredibly I mean, the, back and the forth. drama was you know it was baked into the game. Yeah, you know, win one game home. playoff. Mm-hmm. And, and on the one hand, the Dodgers uh, they win 106 games in the regular season, record setting for the franchise, uh, biggest, in most number of wins in Dodger history. And of they course, don't, including even... Brooklyn, when they right. only had 154 games, not 162. Sure, but uh, but the Giants uh, even they, better out yeah it it out they hit 107 but yeah what a fantastic game sorry to bore you all if you don't care about baseball but if you don't you're probably communist so we don't really care about you all right so we're going to talk about america so uh, the special episode of too many lawyers today yeah. here is scotus palooza scotus, scotus palooza yeah, it actually sounds like a condition your yeah. dermatologist yeah. would help yeah. hey, doc i got a little scotus palooza here in the. Small oh god m- don't take your shirt off I, I don't need to see it oh no <laughs> It's like Norm Macdonald when he wanted his shirt back uh, from the guy in uh, Dirty Work, and then when he saw what the guy's uh, body hair looked like, he said, "I'll keep it." Uh, <laughs> poor Norm. Poor Norm. We're still classic, mourning. Classic. We're still mourning Norm. So we're going to get to the Supreme Court. Uh, uh, issues. I mean, everything from abortion to affirmative action, to gun control. I mean, this is a jam packed session. Yes. The first Monday in October is when they kick it off. And except if you've got COVID like Kavanaugh, you're sitting at home picking Cheetos out of underneath the cushions in the uh, the divan. Uh, But I think he was there remotely. I'm sure. In spirit. Still eating Cheetos, I'm sure. Yeah, probably. Um, So we're going to get to the Supreme Court issues. But before that, a couple of things in the news. Uh, You know, Connor, I've talked to every once in a while about how we should have a a show, uh, an interview show called The Last Word. Mm. Uh, Pick out the most interesting people in the world who, I don't know, shall we say, might be checking out. Sometime in the near future. Interesting. So if we don't interview Somewhat them, grim, but we lose the opportunity yes. forever. So yes, we haven't done important. it. And once again, Connor, we've screwed up, haven't yeah. we? Because mm-hmm. Tommy Kirk and uh, Sam Riddle are gone. Mm. They passed. This veil of tears, and you probably don't know a lot about Tommy Kirk. I wouldn't say that I know who those people are. Well, let me just give you uh, two words. Old Yeller. Oh, yeah, classic. Of course.
2: I saw it like five
1: times. He was, I don't think I've ever seen it. The dog? (laughs) No. um, You know, a very sad movie about the dog that gets a rabies, and they have to shoot him. Again, spoilers for a 50-year-old movie. Throwing down a well. I think he was more like 70, but Mm. whatever it was, Tommy Kirk was a Disney uh, child star, and uh, he passed. Uh, he, interestingly, I think he was born in 1939. Uh, he was gay. He didn't come out until I want to say, I think it was the nineties maybe. And so, uh, but the, to their credit, the Disney folks to, uh, when they kind of learned on the QT, he was gay. They didn't turn their back on him. They mm. still promoted him. But anyway, um, you know, big, big career, um, but he's gone. We can't interview him, Connor, because we didn't have the show That's true. called The Last Ward. Now, the other guy that we lost is Sam Riddle. He was a disc jockey for 93 KHJ, honored in uh, Quentin Tarantino's movie uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, I think I put the ellipse in there. And uh, he was so popular that, like his pals, uh, Real Don Steele and Robert W. Morgan, he got TV shows, dance shows and nationally syndicated stuff. Once again, what a career. career. We could have picked his brain. Could have. Did we? No, we didn't. Okay, so we kind of what about other people? Uh, What about the kid who played Spalding, Ted Knight's grandson in Caddyshack? Great question. Now, uh, hopefully he's healthy and he's going to live for 50 years. But yes. if hypothetically, you know, he's on a ventilator or something, shouldn't we go out and get him? Hey, uh, actor who played Spaulding, did you get tired of people coming up to you uh, in public places and saying, hey, are you going to eat your fat? Yeah. Because that would be interesting to see how he reacted he to would, that. Yeah. He, he might punch us out. A classic movie. Right. Classic line. If you could work on the show. Oh, yeah. Last I'll, get right
2: okay. I'll get right on it. I'll get right on it. Maybe we could call it Last Gasp.
1: No, I think no, that's, that's a little grim. That's, that's a, little little grim. Little grim, a little grim. You know? Okay, okay. It, Because that makes you think of a vandalism.
2: Yeah, I'll workshop it.
1: No. So in a desperate attempt to avoid talking about what we should talk about, <laughs> Blows, I want to... <laughs> that's what this podcast is all about. Yeah, talk about a couple other things. Britt Hume, the senior uh, spokesman that is commentator for Fox News. You know who Brit Hume is. So. Oh, yeah. Okay. So uh, his tweet went viral recently. Uh-oh. And here's his tweet. I want you to tell me what you think of the responses. He said... I sat next to a nice couple at the counter in the Longhorn Steakhouse oh, outside nice. Hagerstown, Maryland on Sunday That's night beautiful. We chatted briefly but did not exchange names. They, they left ahead of me sure but they bought my dinner yeah. and I would like to say thanks. Hope they see this. Very nice of them. Okay, Mm. so that's the tweet. Pay it
2: forward, Britt. Buy somebody else's dinner. But yeah, yeah, okay. That's a nice tweet.
1: Nice tweet. And many, many responses came in. One of them was from the couple. And the couple tweeted and said, Oh, you know, we're the Smiths from, uh, you know, Turlock, California. And thank you for the shout out. And it was a pleasure meeting you. But there were other responses, Connor. And I'm thinking maybe they were Was someone mean on Twitter.com? I'm thinking they might not be Fox News. Fans, I want to get what? your yeah. I want to get your response. So, he, Brit Hume, nice, nice tweet. Yeah, you know, oh, all yeah. nice folks. Yeah. Here is one response. Mm-hmm. You bought a millionaire media uh guy a dinner. How wonderful of you! Talk about wasted money. <laughs> now, wasn't that a little unpleasant and bitter? I mean, couldn't uh, they have just let it go? Brit Hume could go on
2: Twitter and tweet this is a tweet, and he would get angry tweets, of course, because that's political discourse baby like people hate each other and they're going to find any experience any opportunity to be contrarian and loud and popular on the internet you got as a result right. of that
1: i mean people just like stirring up emotion ready for the next response oh god how bad do they get this couple they must have been recipients of the unpaid for trump tax giveaway to the rich <laughs> Can't they just say what a nice human interaction? You know, I don't agree with everything Brit says. Matter of fact, I disagree with everything he says, and he's the reincarnation of of Hitler. Right? Sure. Yeah. But no, they had to keep
2: scrolling, folks. Just like if you see something you
1: don't like on the Twitter, you can just keep scrolling. Well, I'm going to keep scrolling. Here's the third response. I hope someone buys me a dinner at a fancy restaurant. But you're rich enough to buy your own dinner, Brit. Send the money you save to the orphanage in their (laughs) honor. (laughs) Now, this is anger management at work.
0: Oh yeah,
2: it should. I mean, these people definitely are a bit unhinged. You know, I I think there's a there's a legitimate conversation to be had surrounding, for example, this week we had uh, Kirsten Cinema, right?
1: You go, girl,
2: gets chased into the bathroom, into the ladies room by some people who, you know, disagree with her politically. Right. She's uh, she's, you know, in the video, very clearly unhappy. That,
1: I think, is different
2: than Brit Hume getting mean Twitter replies.
1: Um, well, I think it's much wor- a is much worse. It, I disagree. I think it goes the other way. The, I think Kristen Cinema going into the bathroom while yes. she's in the stall, yes. yelling at her and filming. I mean, yes. I, I realize they're not sticking the iPhone under the the door. Kristen Cinema went into that bathroom. But first B, of all, because, it's stupid because there's a backlash. Ninety nine percent of Americans think what morons, what creeps to follow this lady. You know, I wasn't sure how I felt about her, but now I love her. Yeah, you disagree? I disagree.
2: Okay. I think. That politicians put themselves out there they walk the halls of power they hold or the in rain. there in the bathroom in they the stall they hold the reins of power and the fact that they they should be made uncomfortable by their constituents who are unhappy with their terrible, horrible, you get no in good their very face? Bad if you decisions. see
1: them at the dry cleaner or the gasoline station, absolutely, you let them know Sorry. how terrible Sorry, they Tucker are.
2: Tucker Carlson, if I see you at Ralph's uh, uh, Fresh Fare Market buying pate, buying pate, and you know sniffing tomatoes or whatever it is you do, uh, probably. Uh, I'm going to get in your face because there are some people, politicians or media figures, who have put themselves out there and gained the the glory of and power and fame that comes with being a talking head with strong opinions. Whatever happened to and If you are a senator or if you are a a, 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 a Fox News host like Brit Hume, uh, and you put yourself out there, you got to expect that people who hate you for your really dumb bad opinions are going to push back. Now, is Brit Hume getting a mean Twitter response? actually a big deal no is he gonna
1: change the world oh no, no. it's not gonna hurt him at all right now I, th- he- I think it's a totally different thing than chasing somebody into the bathroom and you you know you, i respect your your heartfelt feelings about yeah. this but just looking at it objectively I got to say, I, I think that Biden stepped in it when he said that's part of the process. For the president to say it's part of the process, to follow a lady into the bathroom and harass her like that, I think he lost points. I mean, he's dropping like a rock in the polls, and I don't think that helped him. I mean,
2: presidents generally drop in, in the polls as their terms continue, unless the
1: uh, uh, He's major... got like an anchor attached to his ankle. I, I think... Is that I th- a alliteration or, you know... On steroids? Yeah.
2: I I think that it is part of the process to get in the face of elected officials who are standing in the way of uh, the most important bill of this entire administration, probably. Um, And she and Manchin are you know, kowtowing to these massive uh, money. I thought we couldn't interest. say
1: kowtow. Isn't that unfair to uh, Chinese people everywhere?
2: I have no idea what it even means. We'll but look if it, up. it but is, Next week, we'll figure yeah. out. Yeah, they are bending to the will of uh, the lobbyists who are holding this entire bill hostage and they're you know, undermining the, the idea that Kirsten Cinema has some sort of magic special sauce, it, it, it getting elected as a moderate who runs against the establishment in a state where she's got a counterpart who did just fine being a progressive, uh, the other senator, and... Joe Biden won statewide. So what the hell are people even thinking and doing here? Kristen Sinema is not special. She is not important. And she is only important in this context as a kingmaker because she's a holdout and she knows that. And she's leveraging that to get, you know, probably some cushy lobbying position or think tank position once she gets out of uh, out of office. Great job. Get that bag. I'm really proud of you for engaging in the democratic process, lady. Well done The this is the pressure that you have to apply to her to make it uncomfortable to be such a jerk, to be so self-centered, to be so uh, selfish, to work against the interests of the American people, there's to no care chance at she, all. There's, there's no
1: the, chance she has an honestly held belief in her I opinions? don't. I don't believe she does. Okay. But, you know, this is the fact that she
2: is... Uh, There's a great there's a great quote, by the way, where she uh, she when she used to be super liberal and was younger uh, and she gets interviewed uh, several years ago um, and she's she's criticizing an elected official when she's a a very liberal social worker at a protest. She's she's criticizing uh, a politician in her state and saying, what is this guy doing? It's like he's trying to get votes from Republicans. What kind of a strategy is that? I mean, she is so clearly, transparently realized how much it pays to be the air quotes, moderate kingmaker. Do you think the mo- members
1: of the squad and the House of Representatives have honestly uh, held opinions? Yeah, I do. Absolutely. Oh, okay, so you're on record. Yeah. Uh, exactly. When we come back, Connor, <laughs> I'm going to read another uh, tweet in response to Brit Hume's tweet, which is virulent ageism. It's Ooh. just amazingly offensive. But first, Connor is going to tell you how to rate and subscribe to Too Many Lawyers.
2: Yeah, check us out on the podcast platform of your choice, probably Apple Podcast, but could be any other. Leave us a review And uh, a star rating and a little comment because we read them all and we really appreciate it. Make sure you hit that subscribe button because then you get us automatically every week uh, and that helps uh, us out as well. We'll be right back.
1: This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. Talking about a tweet that Brit Hume, of Fox News sent, where he thanked a nice couple who chatted him up at a restaurant, and they left a little earlier than he did, and turned out when he went to pay, uh, the maitre d' said, Oh, no, Mr. Hume, your dinner has been paid for by the nice couple. Yeah. Perhaps you would want to tweet them a thank you. Right. Well, I don't know if that happened like he that. didn't but say it that was that way, darn, but he did do that. It was a darn good French yeah. accent. Yeah, it was great. Um, so he did do that, and so now a lot of people who don't like Brit and Fox News... Or coming out of the woodwork on on Twitter. And here is a response. Mm -hmm. Um, Britt, were you wearing your World War II uniform at the restaurant? Now, that would make him, by my calculations, 98, between 98 and 110. Now, I know Brit's no spring chicken, but that was a that was a low blow to comment on his age, I think. Yeah. And perhaps there would be a, a lawsuit, a cause of action against the uh, the tweetifier by yeah, Brit. A little rude. This is yet Social another example of of changing the subject. Right. Brit
2: Hume made a a uh, tweet that was on a certain topic and he should he should definitely get responses that have relate to uh buying steak dinners or meeting nice people at restaurants uh, or whatever else he was talking about. But this guy changed the subject dramatically, which is silly. And, I think that Brit Hume uh, deserves plenty of criticism. If you want to if you want to uh, criticize him for all his opinions, OK, uh, but uh, connected to the tweet, you know, make it make sense. Right. If you want to follow Kirsten Cinema around and criticize her for her votes right now, that's because that's what's in the news. That's what's on top of the conversation. But it doesn't mean that people shouldn't be able to send a tweet at all. Uh, a warm, nice, heartfelt tweet. Come on, people. You tweet Merry Christmas and then somebody attacks you for your bill, uh, for your, your opinion on the
1: reconciliation bill from 1994. Are, are you ready for the weirdest response? response to Brit Hume of them all. How could we get weirder than that World War 2 you, you you be the judge. <laughs> okay. Heidi from Tuscaloosa uh, tweeted Britt to say, I-, "I saw you in an elevator in Annapolis, Maryland, maybe back in 2007. Didn't pay for anything though. Uh, you and my husband were wearing the exact same thing, khaki shorts and green polo." Now, I think that's up there. This lady needs <laughs>
2: Her husband has clearly started stuffing his ears with wax, so, so he doesn't have to talk to her anymore, and she just needs a, 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 an outlet for her conversational let's, impulses. Let's just say, How, she's why, a fan. Who, who cares, Brit? Lady Britt is not reading your response. I hope he's not.
1: So we've we've beaten the uh, Brit Hume uh, Twitter feed uh, string uh, into the dust. Yeah. We've ground it up and we've, we've buried it. <laughs> You know, we haven't done this much, Connor, but I think we ought to invite folks to give a response uh, to uh, to the podcast. Uh, you can tweet me at Royal Oaks is the Twitter handle, uh, and I'm sure it'll be just as pleasant. The responses I get as the Brit, Brit Hume uh, responses. Yeah, you do, you're asking for it. But yeah, I think it'd be nice to get feedback from folks uh, yeah, this episode it would, it would or what, whatever right. episodes. Uh, we could get notes. You know, in show business, they call them notes. Right. You know, somebody does a performance yeah. and the director or the, the producer. Connor, you
2: seemed a little bit uh,
1: overexcited. Maybe 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 a calmer take on it. <laughs> I wonder why they call them notes. I mean, are, are notes only in show business? I mean, I don't know, yeah. Did did the Chernobyl designer get a, a note? Uh, let me start with the positive. Uh, the, the Chernobyl snack bar, you, genius. You, uh, but you know your your
2: job was to generate energy. And I'll say, starting off, compliment sandwich here. You generated a lot of energy. <laughs> you did a great job there.
1: So speaking of show business, I've got a show I want to recommend to everybody. It's called Goliath. It's Ooh, yeah. a Billy Bob Thornton's show. They I just heard finished. About it. Never they seen just, it but heard They just really released a, the fourth and final uh, season, uh, eight episodes each. Oh, my gosh. If you like law, if you like courtroom dramas, this guy is in you know, the idea of Goliath. He's always going up against the enormous, the opioid industry and, right. you know, the cartel and so on. And it is fantastic. Billy Bob Thornton does an amazing job. I mean, it. The. the problem i have with it is that it creates uh, the sense in the viewing public that big trials against big companies should always end with a blockbuster verdict to send a message yeah. okay oh. because they always do because that's the fun part of a tv it'd show it'd be a boring show if it it'd didn't. be very yeah. boring okay the last episode Uh, Billy Bob Thornton loses and gets sued for malpractice that's no fun no fun at all it's like spoiler alert here but it's like 10 billion here it's like 160 million dollars there you hold your breath at the end of every season and the jury votes for yes the plaintiff and the amount is oh my god it's so huge love it I think it's disturbing see I don't love it (laughs) I mean I'm a
2: defense attorney so I don't love it well and I
1: was a defense attorney for 43 years and I don't like the idea of justice by pop culture Mm. Uh, I, I like I like the idea of a jury actually deciding who's right and who's wrong as to this particular case and not sending a message, you know, to the opioid industry. So we probably wouldn't want to, you know, watch a
2: movie about about like the Nuremberg trials because, well, you know, that might prejudge people
1: against Nazis. Yeah, that's ancient history. That's true. Uh, But the problem is uh, my preference, actually, Connor, is to get a lie detector in the courtroom. Uh, Because a lot of people, I've had jury trials where you talk to people afterwards and they say, oh, well, I guess I forgot about the fact that the health insurance company killed Aunt Bertha last year. That's why I voted against the insurance company. Yeah. I mean... Lie detectors are right ninety five percent of the time. They're right? not, but okay. <laughs> uh, well, whatever it is, eighty percent, eighty five. I've seen ninety five percent. More like fifteen percent, but yeah. Well, I don't know where you got uh, the fifteen percent deal because Ethelie Bailey used to have a TV show where he said it was ninety five percent. I'm I'm going. And to he was a lawyer, with and they never lie. But the point is, we don't use it because it's not a hundred percent, so we don't put people in prison because they failed a lie detector test. Right. But with jury selection, we're not putting them in prison. That's we're true. sending them home. That's a lower with a low. Lovely yeah. parting gift, it's it's okay? Yeah. So why not do it? If it turns out they're lying about the fact they have a horrible bias against criminal defendants or against cops or yeah. against insurance companies or against whiny people who sue for injuries, why not get rid of them? Because we want honest people. I mean, so what's the argument against using a lie detector? Well, if you had a lie detector that worked, I would understand, and I would say the
2: minor... But
1: it doesn't work 50 or 60% of the time. It's no harm, no foul. Just bring folks in until they pass the test. Well,
2: what if you had a lie detector test that didn't work because he's a sociopath people, the people and now ad- you're
1: gonna have a jury full of sociopaths no the
2: people administering the lie detector test are the ones doing the sort of more art than science interpreting the results and deciding whether somebody is lying and what if you use this pseudoscientific method which simply amplifies the biases of the people administering the exam and then you end up Allowing the lawyers or the person running the lie detector system or everybody involved, either on purpose or inadvertently, to simply amplify their biases and kick, say, 20 percent more women off of juries or 20 percent more people of racial minorities off of juries or 20 percent more people uh, who poor people off of juries because people have biases against them. So the lie detector test administrators and the lawyers involved have biases that are amplified by the fact that you have a pseudoscience process that
1: nobody can really break down. It's just a black box. And then, boom, suddenly. All right, Theoretically, you may have a good point, but right. tell you what, before the next Let's episode, get we'll do some tests, research well, and we'll figure out if I'm right, that they are basically sure. 95% sure. right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it, I also think, Connor, maybe an IQ test would be appropriate for Super here's, racist Here's, here's well. why. Oh, no, not racist at <laughs> all. That's the problem is the IQ well, fine. test. Get a race, race neutral, non-racist IQ test. Give any, any test you want. Ask my po- Here's my board. point. Here's yeah. my point. If you score lower than your age, you're out of there. That okay. is that is an easy If you're bar. 50 yeah. and you score 45 on the test, I'm sorry, you're off the jury. Yeah. On the other hand, yeah. if you're 103 and you score 100, Great <laughs> welcome job. to the jury. You did it. You e- earned it. Exactly. I mean, the bottom line is this week we had federal court jury verdict, um... Uh, $137 million to uh, a black elevator operator for Tesla. He alleged uh, the people who used the N-word. The evidence came in and apparently the N-word was used by fellow black employees. The defendant, Tesla, fired two of them, suspended a third, but the jury really got angry. Right. And next thing you know, $137 million. There were two or three other yeah. you know, and over is, $100 million verdicts.
2: It $130 million in punitive damages, $7 million in Yeah, in most general. of it was punitive. Yeah, that's yeah, right.
1: Yeah, exactly. They sent a message. Yeah, I'm just running it up the flagpole. Lie detector tests, IQ tests. It's something to think about. Uh, finally, our, our last uh, desperate attempt to avoid talking about uh, Supreme the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court, um, unemployment benefits. Um, if you get fired for not taking a vaccine, will you get unemployment benefits inquiring minds want to know and actually it is an interesting one in general you only get unemployment benefits if you get fired and, right you know and so you go down to the office uh, if you just quit and say hey, I'm take this job and shove it the nice lady at the unemployment benefits office says I'm sorry you don't get it uh, if you're if you're laid off you get money but if you're fired for cause you do not get money so what about if you say I ain't taking the vaccine Uh, Apparently, the EEOC and the federal government is taking the position in most states. They're saying, sorry, you know, you're not going to get your unemployment benefits if you walk away from your job Mm -hmm. or or you refuse to be vaccinated, leading to your termination. Tennessee and Idaho, uh, Alaska, Michigan, Arizona, they're thinking about exceptions to this rule. Uh, What do you think? you think it's fair to say no to people uh, at the unemployment line if uh, the reason they're there is because they refuse to get
2: vaccinated? Yes, clearly because the vaccines are safe, effective, uh, and help everyone. And when you're if you turn down the vaccine, you're probably doing it for a, a misinformed bad reason. And you should trust the experts on this. There's no good reason to, to not get the vaccine. There's no medical condition that makes it contraindicated. And if, if your doctor tells you that you do have one, then OK, let's talk about that. But the, the medical establishment has come out and said, the Dr. Fauci's of the world and everybody else says, There's really no contraindication. There are people who have conditions that that say it doesn't work, but there's nobody out there who says it would be bad or dangerous for you. There are always, you know, minor side effects that come with getting vaccines, and those can be uncomfortable, and a lot of people want to avoid those, but they need to know that this is bigger than they are. And to say that I quit my job over something so minor as I have to get the free, safe vaccine that is going to save the world. That exhibits uh, that you are are making a choice, uh, which is effectively the same as saying, I quit. And that really is the issue, right? There are uh, in employment law, there's this concept called constructive termination. If your job changes or they impose some sort of burden on you, that's so bad that they have effectively fired you, right? If you were the CEO of Disney and uh, making a bajillion dollars a year, and they cut your salary to four dollars a year, and they said your job is now cleaning toilets. They've constructively terminated you. They might as well have fired you because they've, they, they've cleverly fired. Yes, me. they've made you <laughs> made, made you have such a bad experience and job at your uh, time at your job that you no longer uh, uh, basically no longer work there, and that makes sense. Constructive termination as a concept makes sense, but. In requiring you to get a vaccine is in no way constructive termination. They've never, they've, they've not made your your life so bad and so changed your job duties and and changed your compensation and and made you so uncomfortable and unhappy. Uh, you absolutely should. Uh, go get the vaccine, and people should be required uh, to go get the vaccine to keep their jobs if they have any, you know, good reason to, like their job involves contact with other humans, which almost all jobs do. So it's it's a very uh, it's a very good idea. The idea that states are out there, um, you know, trying to find exceptions for this is is that's people, you know, bending the the knee to anti-vax wacko ness. Which is just horrifying to hear, but I mean, yeah, states do this on a state-by-state basis, unfortunately, and there are
1: a bunch of states which are run by wackos. When we come back, yes, finally we're going to talk about Supreme Court uh, Palooza. Palooza. And also, we're going to play America's favorite uh, game, Guess the Verdict, where Connor is going to put his (laughs) litigation knowledge on the lines Mm -hmm. with us. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Roy Lopes. And I'm Connor So, Supreme Court uh, Scotus Palooza, uh, we're going to talk about all of the cases uh, pending before the Supreme Court. Uh, abortion and gun control, religious liberty, the Boston bomber, should he get capital punishment, gay rights, the unanimous verdict requirement. Hopefully we'll be able to get to all this, but let's start with abortion because we've been talking about that for a few weeks. So we you got the uh, wild and wacky, ridiculous Texas law that weaponizes lawsuits that says anybody on the planet, they can live in Antarctica, they can be a, a convicted uh, child molester in Alaska, they can sue the Uber driver who took a lady to an abortion clinic in Round Rock, Texas. Insane. Yeah, it's insane. And so... Um, Interestingly, um, we're going to talk about the Supreme Court, but um, federal district court at the trial level two or three days ago, a Texas federal district court judge said, I am putting that statute on ice. I'm staying it because I think it's unconstitutional because it interferes with a woman's right under Roe versus Wade. Now, it's interesting that he did that because the Supreme Court refused to do that on September 2. Uh, three or four four of the of the nine justices, uh, the three liberals plus Chief Justice Roberts, said, hey, uh, don't talk to us about technicalities, about who, who is subject to an injunction. This law is unconstitutional, right. so we think it should be stayed pending a file determination on whether it really is unconstitutional. And five members of the Supreme Court said, no, there's some technical reasons why right. we shouldn't do that. So yeah. one issue is, how, how come, where, where did this trial court judge one technical Texas trial court judge get the cojones to basically spit in the eye of the majority view of the U.S. Supreme Court. I mean, do you think he's just sort of defying them and and saying, you know, go ahead, make my day if you want to issue some sort of order now nullifying my injunction? But as of now, uh, it stands uh, and this law is on ice.
2: Yeah, this highlights a a bizarre reality of federal court that federal district courts, the lowest federal courts often issue nationwide injunctions. Functions That preclude the enforcement of very wide reaching, vast, vastly wide reaching laws. And it, it highlights the reality that our you know, court system is based on a lot of norms, not rules. A lot of what judges can do is determined by what other judges have done in the past and what other judges have felt politically able and willing to do. And they are sometimes kept in line by peer pressure, by the pressure, like like justices, other justices, their peers, other legislators who are their peers because judges are legislators, legislators, just like senators. They have been kept in line by the enforcement of those norms. And as those norms flex and change and grow – uh, outliers will always uh, be willing to do things like issue nationwide injunctions, uh, which sometimes are good, for instance, when they present, uh, prevent uh, uh, a crazy, dumb law from imp- impairing a woman's right to get an abortion when she needs one. Um, and sometimes they're bad, like if there was a district court injunction that did the opposite, that uh, enforced a law that you know prevented women from getting abortions if they want them that is the real calculus we need to be doing. Is this a good outcome? Is this district court uh uh, has it come to the right conclusion? And are they are they issuing a nationwide injunction that protects the rights of Americans and makes the country a better place and the world a better place to live in? And if we want to get into any other level of analysis about like, oh, our district court's allowed to do that, guess what? They're doing it. It's reality. It, it is what it is. So and you should factor into your political calculus only whether you want to take away the power for district court judges to do this. And we should not engage in one-sided finger wagging where we judge them for doing it when it's against us and we you know don't judge them for doing it when it, it's for us. We should recognize Judges are human beings. Judges have political positions. They are effectively legislators, and we should praise them when they get the right uh, decision and outcome, and we should criticize them when they have the wrong outcome. But this is the gun we gave them. Don't judge them when they pull the trigger.
1: So this is an interesting side issue. The Texas deal, we've all been kind of focused on the Texas law, which basically says at six weeks into the pregnancy, before a lot of people even know they're pregnant, you may not abort after six weeks because, my goodness, bump, 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 we've detected a fetal heartbeat. So that's that's Texas. But the bigger show is Mississippi. And and here's the context on December 1, there will be an oral argument in Washington, D.C. before the U.S. Supreme Court on the legality of the Mississippi law that bans abortion after 15 weeks. So this would defy Roe versus Wade, which said that states cannot prohibit abortions before viability, which as of now is around the 24th week of a 40 week pregnancy. Right. So here's the question. If the court didn't intend to significantly undermine Roe versus Wade in some way, not necessarily say all abortion is murder, but maybe it's, oh, it's, there's no privacy penumbra. The right. states get to decide. Yeah. Why would it take up the case? Why yep. not simply let the lower court rejection of the Mississippi law stand? But here is an inside baseball and interesting angle. To get before the Supreme Court a, a writ of certiorari petition being granted, you only need four votes, Mm -hmm. not a majority of the nine Mm -hmm. Supreme, just four. Now, interestingly, California Supreme Court has seven justices to get a petition for review granted, the equivalent of the petition for cert. You need four of the seven, but U.S. Supreme Court, you only need four of the nine. So isn't it possible? That four of the nine, namely four of the conservatives, voted to take this up. But it doesn't mean they're going to have that key fifth vote. If you assume Roberts is going to join the three liberals, that's four if we're pro-choice, one of the five conservatives, probably Gorsuch or Kavanaugh, will probably... Uh, say no, I don't want it on my headstone that I dumped Roe versus Wade. So I don't know if people should really go into the panic mode. Uh, are you in panic mode already?
2: Yeah, definitely.
1: I think that the the abortion rights
2: Roe is trying to talk you off the ledge. Hit Planned Parenthood v. Casey. I think they're all on the chopping block, and I think they're gone. I, I, the real question is how they get gone. I, I don't think there's any chance that they survive a six-three. I think uh, it's a conservative Supreme Court. I think that it's possible. That the way that they get, you know, disappeared in the night and replaced could be with something like a slow, creeping death of abortion rights in America, a redefining of the line where Mississippi says, you know, it's, it's not 24 weeks, it's 15 weeks. And this not how they talk in Mississippi, but true. go ahead. Yeah, the Supreme Court. Uh, I don't want to lose our Southern listener, um, but the uh, Southern listener. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the, uh, the, the, the fact that the court, uh, the, the likelihood that the court uh, says basically states have the right to make these sorts of decisions, whether or not they said this, say this specific Mississippi law dies or lives, I don't know. But the fact that they throw it to saying, well, despite our conclusion in this case, uh, states have more rights in this uh, area to determine how abortions get done, if they get done, when they get done, in their state borders, I think that might as well be a foregone conclusion. In my opinion, I think that's the slam dunk I'm putting all my money on. Well, we can
1: read the tea leaves when the hearing occurs on December 1, although sometimes the questions are misleading, but uh, often you can read the tea leaves. All right, we talked abortion, let's talk guns. Guns. Uh, On November 3, uh, less than a month away, there is going to be a hearing before the Supreme Court on a New York state gun control measure giving licensing officials discretion on approval of concealed carry permits. So right now, New York says, you know, we want to figure out, does somebody really need a concealed carry permit? You know, Mm -hmm. are they a diamond salesman carrying around a lot of money? Do they own a strip club like Jack Ruby? That's why Jack Ruby had Had a concealed weapon because he owned a strip club and it's a big cash business. So the background is an official denied a New York resident a request to get an unrestricted, a carry license on the ground they had not demonstrated proper cause to carry guns at all times. The lower court upheld this law. Biden administration said, let the legislature impose reasonable limits on firearms to protect public safety. Now, of course, the big picture background is 10 years ago, the Supreme Court in uh, the Heller case. Uh, said, Second Amendment does encompass an individual's right to bear arms. It's not just some 300-year-old guy in a militia with a musket. Right. Then two years later, in McDonald versus City of Chicago, the high court ruled that this right applied against the states, limiting the state's ability to restrict gun rights. So the bottom line is, the high court may say that a person does not need a permit— a hard-to-get permit to carry a concealed weapon outside the home. There's no need to prove they have a legitimate basis for worrying about self-defense outside the home. Mm-hmm. Are, are you pessimistic about this one as well, Connor? Yeah, I, I am also pessimistic about this one. I, I think that, uh, unfortunately, Scalia You're like won. like a
2: gloomy Gus. I am definitely a gloomy Gus. I, I think Scalia won by uh, In Heller, and I think the, the cases that will follow with a conservative supermajority— uh, uh, for the next couple of decades, um, uh, it'll get even worse when Breyer refuses to retire and gets hit by a bus in the next year. Um, uh, sorry, just after Joe Biden loses, he'll get hit by a bus. Um, and then we'll have a 7-2 conservative majority if, if Biden loses the next election, which is a real possibility. Um we're going to get decisions that further and further entrench Scalia's bizarre, backwards, ass, dumb vision of individual rights to bear arms that stem you, you from. You know, you know, he is deceased. Yeah, speaking ill of the dead is like my favorite thing. It's so it feels so good because they can't, they can't, they can't say anything. They can't say a word. Anyway, um, <laughs> the the idea that you know the, a well regulated militia being necessary for the you know protection of our state means that we can all have uh uh, uh AR15s uh, and 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 handguns that hide in pockets um when that was obviously talking about the idea of a militia and muskets uh, is crazy it's silly it's ridiculous and and they should uh, and they should obviously uh, overturn Heller but they're not
1: they're going to go the other way it's going to get worse and worse well we're going to find out Bloomy very, Gus. Soon, very soon Bloomy Gus Alert. Supreme Court hearings coming up so uh, <laughs> next week uh, we're going to get to the other Supreme Court issues a bunch of good ones gay rights and uh, and uh, affirmative action and so on but uh, we only now have time for the game show America's favorite game show Guess the Verdict Connor yeah please cue up the music
0: who wants a millionaire who wants
2: to be a millionaire music
1: and you know what Connor to bring the episode full circle me. Wouldn't that have been fantastic? It would have Regis it as been great. a guest on Too Many yeah, Lawyers. It's true. He was a hero of mine. What a wonderful television so personality. Mm. Great shows. I mean, Millionaire was great. He was wonderful on talk shows. He was Joey Bishop's sidekick mm. in the late 60s. You knew that. I knew it. Could have yeah. told you. Anyway, uh, we blew it. We didn't interview him. So here's the game show question for you, Connor. I'm going to ask you a question about a real life case. You guess the verdict and we'll see how you do. Are you ready? Yes. James Scott of Fowler, Illinois loved to party with the guys, but his wife usually objected. So Mr. Scott came up with an idea. He decided to remove sandbags from a Mississippi River levee during a severe flood. As a result, the only bridge for 100 miles that connected Missouri and Illinois was closed for business. Mr. Scott's motivation allegedly was to strand his wife so he could party. Uh, so it goes to trial, uh, oh Connor. What What do you guess? How, how I thought, do you think James As you Scott started did? describing this, mm-hmm.
2: I thought you were going to say he like stole the sandbags from a levee to create like a fake body in a bed, you know, like a lumpy body in a bed, so that the wife would think he was at home, at home asleep. No, and then he accidentally caused a flood. Nothing this so mild. Guy that? <laughs> intentionally caused a flood. And destroyed a levee in order to be able to party hardy all night long without his wife. Man, what happened? Like, what happened to marriages in the last like fifty years? That every comedian's joke was "take my wife, please," <laughs> and every guy's like "go to go to jail." Story is I destroyed a levee to get some free time from my wife. Why are you partying with your wife? Wives are fun to party with. Go find a
1: wife you want to party with, loser. Go to jail. Go to jail. Is this a long way of saying you think he was convicted? Yeah, convicted. Go to jail. You're right. Oh, my gosh, you're right again. Uh, He was sentenced only to one year in jail, though. I was a little surprised that he he didn't get life or perhaps the electric chair. I guess the judge's house wasn't flooded. Well, good job. Your batting (laughs) average is even higher than Trey Turner on the Los Angeles Dodgers. uh, When we we speak again, they will have... Beating the Giants, that's yeah. my prediction. Next week, uh, our our game show uh, is going to be about, the guess the verdict uh, program is going to be about a guy who really did um, uh, live in a town called Drop Trow, Texas. <laughs> Drop Trow, Texas. You won't believe the details. Uh, I don't want to hear the that. details. We'll see you next time on Too Many
0: Lawyers. Have a good week.